We are back on air with Alex Mancini, the late night lawyer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to The Late Night Lawyer. So what are we doing this evening? This evening is quite a special exclusive edit of The Late Night Lawyer. It's actually an interview with Alex Mancini. I'm going to be interviewed this evening by a very good friend of mine. His name's Alan Campbell, and he's worked with me on various projects at Mancini Legal. And I've got the pleasure of him interviewing me tonight, covering off very much my journey with Mancini Legal and how that has developed since this opening coming up to 10 years ago now. So I hope you all enjoy it. You're all in for a treat because I do get a huge grilling from Mr. Campbell because he's an incredible interviewer and enjoy it. The Late Night Lawyer. So Alex, uh, thank you for inviting me to this interview. Pleasure. Perhaps I can start by just putting some numbers around your business career as a lawyer. Um, I'll start by asking just how old are you now? I am 39, heading on 40, very quickly. Incredible. And how old were you when you first opened the doors to your business? So I set up in 2012. So you're looking at close to 10 years ago. I was around 28. And how old were you when you qualified? When I qualified, I was 26. So you've really packed a lot into a relatively short time. Perhaps... I could take you right back to the beginning. Um, you're a Horsham boy. You went to the local sixth form college. When did you decide you wanted to be a lawyer and why? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I think that decision sort of came about when I was at, um, at secondary school. And it was more of a, I think, a mission to prove the uh, the impossible because I went into my secondary school with sort of a view that I would become, I would go into law. I always wanted to study law at that point. And... Uh, I think the general consensus was at that time that it was near impossible to enter that uh, realm or career. And there was quite a stigma about getting into law. It was so difficult. You know, there was a thousand places to one. But, you know, as much as I was discouraged, that very much drove me through to the college, to the uni. Because as you go on, that doesn't get any better, sadly. So I think a lot of it was around, you know, proving everyone wrong enjoying it because it was a massive challenge and you know i guess developing on and on so talk to us briefly about that journey from the day you left school and what happened next and through your education to your very first day of work how long was that and how did you find that so my studying yeah yeah i mean the, the studying side was without doubt a, a massive challenge because you know going into a, a legal career the pressure's very much on and I, I remember it very clearly that believe it or not i i was working I was working near nights at Tesco to fund my uh, my university undergraduate program. You know, I was getting very little sleep, so I was literally working through till two in the morning, saving some money, going into uni, doing my undergraduate degree. And then at that point, knowing that, you know, once I've done that undergraduate degree, I had to have nearly £15,000 to enter the legal practice course at the College of Law. So there was more saving to be done. So I think, you know, leading through the Gola system, it was extremely expensive and, you know, required a lot of sacrifice in the way of saving money to get through that system. But, uh, you know, the end goal was good. You know, I was obviously very pleased when I got to the end of it and it allowed me to sort of develop into the areas that I wanted to develop. But a massive challenge. 
if I'm right, I think you started work with a firm in Hayward Heath. Yes. And uh, then some years later, bought that very practice. Is that right? <laughs> that is right. Yeah. 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 So I started my training contract at Mulcair Jenkins in Hayward Heath. I was there for around about four years. I did my training contract. I qualified at that firm. I stayed for a few years and then went on to a city firm and then set up my own firm, Mancini Legal. And then I went back and purchase a firm that I qualified at because, you know, down to opportunity, I guess the departing partner of that firm was uh, retiring and, you know, the doors were always kept open and I was delighted to have that opportunity. And funnily enough, the people that were there when I qualified are still there now. So it's, it's amazing. From the outset, how would you describe yourself as a lawyer? Are you a specialist or a generalist and how has that changed over the years? And how does that really inform the way you run your practice? I think when I set up as Mancini Legal, I was very much quite wide as a lawyer. So I did the conveyancing, I did you know a lot of will writing, I always maintained litigation because that's my area, basically. And I think as the years have gone on, and I guess the firm has grown, myself, I've homed in very much on the litigious dispute areas. And that's now what I do. So I basically stick to those areas. I very much work with my, my own litigation team. And I basically very much work, you know, just in civil, civil litigation. I like the fact that I've managed to sort of home into my area and, you know, and sort of develop that. And what was it that made you want to set up on your own? What was the motivation as a young man? To, to, you know, you're working in a practice, you've got a good job, you've been in London. Probably madness, Mr. Campbell. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a big change. It's, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, you know, I, I came from a firm, well, various firms. I mean, I, you know, I was in a massive international airline that had well over 20,000 employees. Then I went into a, a city legal firm that was recruiting over 700 lawyers. And then you're on your own. And it's scary. I won't lie to you. You know, you're you're literally on your own. No clients on the table. You've got to do your own marketing now. So you're your own marketing department and you have to make it work. And, you know, luckily I was very much supported by my wife as well. She came on board. Um, we worked together on, I guess, the blueprints of what, what was the early days of Mancini Legal. And we've worked on it ever since, but without doubt, very tough. You know, risks involved, obviously. And, uh, you know, it's a tough decision. Let's talk about your wife just for a moment. Yeah. What was her role and what was her experience up until then? Is she legally trained or how do you fit together? How do you make the team? Yeah, we work very well together. And so basically my wife's background, she's a qualified accountant by trade from Italy. So she qualified over there. She came over here about 12 years ago and I sort of pulled her into this mad idea of going solo with me. And she has supported me ever since, worked with me you know, ever since on the project. And she's a director of the practice now and heads up as the uh, chief financial officer, all the financial areas of, of the uh, of the business and the structure of that. And I deal with more as a CEO, I guess the, the operational division, obviously we bounce off each other, operation and finance, so. Where did you meet her and how did you convince her that you weren't mad? That was a tough one. I friend requested her on Facebook. I was introduced to her by uh, my auntie on, uh, I remember it, it was Easter Sunday. She said, um, this young lady's coming over. To, she was actually due to come over here to do studying and learn the British language. And my auntie said, why don't you friend request her? And to this day, it was hilarious. She said, I only accepted your friend request because I saw you on the back of a big horse. <laughs> 
I think that's another story. <laughs> well, that is another story. So yeah. uh, that was in my horse riding days. But, you know, that's how we met online. She still came over, obviously, to, as planned. And we, we met and it went from there, really. So as an accountant, how did she see the risks of setting up a business with you? It's a strange relationship in setup, really, because from her point of view, she, my wife is quite risk adverse as an accountant being. I'm the more risk taker. So she very much keeps me, she brings me back down to earth constantly. And I think the knowledge she's got with the finances, the accountancy is really what makes it all work because, you know, she obviously has an overall view of how the business is structured and how it's going and, uh, you know, makes makes the key decisions, I guess, with regards to finances. So between the two of you, you open your doors on day one. When did the first client come to you and what sort of business were you doing for them? Not who was your first client? I'd never forget it, actually. Just before I opened my doors, I did a lot of business networking. And my first client was actually a will client. And that client is still with me today. You know, I built quite a large business in, I guess, the early days of Mancini Legal when it was just the two of us. And it was mainly will writing probate services that I really, you know, worked on. And then we started to slowly branch into the conveyancing spectrum. So, but the first client was a will client. The business obviously grew. How soon did you need to employ staff? Grew very quickly. I mean, I would say probably within the first, the end of the first quarter, you know, mass growth. And I already had, I mean, it was me and Enza, obviously, when we started. But at the end of the first quarter, I gained a litigation consultant who came on board to support me with litigation and an admin person. So we were already starting to grow. And we outgrew the, the offices I was on a two-year lease there and we outgrew it about three times. So we were darting around that building, you know, into larger premises. So after the two-year period, we were probably a team of about six. And we just left that, you know, that building to move into Main High Street. Did you find it hard at first to attract staff to what was essentially a one-man band business or a one-man band brand? Uh, I think, yeah, it was very difficult. I think when you first set out, a lot of people are very cautious obviously about quite a young lawyer starting off. And I think they're obviously very cautious about the risks of joining joining that outfit. Yeah, I mean, I was quite lucky because the first person that actually joined my firm was actually a person that left the previous firm that I was at. So we knew each other very well. And, you know, we sort of grew around, around that business model. And uh, over time, as things expanded, I guess the name got around... Things continue to grow and, you know, those noises were being made, you know, in a positive way, which was good. So you start off doing wills and then you move into financing. That sounds really quite fearless. Was there ever anything that you weren't prepared to take on or did you just have a gung-ho attitude? If it walks in the door, we'll do it. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I tended to be quite diverse in the way that I could take quite a lot of work based on the knowledge that I attained as a trainee because that was a high street firm covering pretty much all areas. But the one area that I probably was quite anti was was crime. And that's simply because I had absolutely no knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. You know, my background was purely civil, but I was getting a lot of inquiries through that, surprisingly. So I managed to tag up with another lawyer in town. I mean, this is how you get connections. You know, you do some research, you find a lawyer nearby and uh, you start to, you know, get that get that communication going. And uh, I started passing the referrals over to him. So, so uh, within... Horsham and West Sussex. Are you saying the law's quite a good networking business or are law firms protective of their business? Are you fighting for share of voice? 
to be frank, I mean, Horsham as a whole, us as lawyers, we all know each other quite well. And I think we all know each other, other's businesses relatively well, and we all have a lot of respect for each other. So it's a good town to be in, Horsham. So yeah, it is good. And we do network together, a lot of us. You know, we I've got several lawyers that I work with very closely that if it's something that I can't take on, you know, we'll make the call and see if they can help, which is good. We're all very friendly. So you started a business, you started to grow it. But be honest, there must have been some really quite sleepless nights along the way. Yeah, massively. You know, sleepless nights happen a lot when you're running this this sort of business. A lot of it is down to staffing, comes with with obviously risks, you know. They come, they go. And sometimes when they go and it's very sudden and you're at a very peak area of, I guess, workloads, that does cause massive disruption and obviously sleepless nights. But yeah, I mean, there's always there's always ups and downs of, of running the business. And, um, you know, with sleepless nights, COVID, wow, who would have thought? We, we sat there and we thought we could be in serious trouble here. As, as well as every other lawyer probably in town. But, um, you know, you adapt. You learn to adapt very quickly. And, you know, I had to do that very quickly with my team. Luckily, I've got a very adaptable team. And uh, we all sort of grouped together. Do you think it's more worrying to have too much business or too little business? Which gives you the worst sleep this night? At the moment, I'd say too much. It's very tough at the moment. In uh, And I think a lot of lawyers around town, around Sussex, will probably vouch what I'm saying, you know, that this pandemic has affected the housing industry immensely. And we are seeing, you know, volumes of conveyancing inquiries like none other. I've never experienced this in the 10 years that I have been in practice. And, you know, with that, it brings its own opportunities and also mass risks, because you need to have the people there in position, ready to take the work. You need to be adaptable quickly to ensure that all the clients are catered for, you know, and you've got clients that need to complete extremely quickly and some that not so quickly. So, you know, that in itself logistically is an extremely difficult task to cater for. Yeah, not easy. In general, in, in your sector, is the law a fairly scalable business quite quickly? Can you bring in locums? Um, uh, can you find temporary staff if you've got a handover yeah. demand? Absolutely. I mean, I from my point of view as a business, I've never really experimented in locum recruitment until now. And it's really good, I have to say. I mean, we've worked with locums at the moment and, you know, we have some on board. Again, in the in the conveyancing department as a whole, because of the expansions that, that department's gone through over the last year, and they're there as a support, but it is completely scalable. So as it gets busier, you scale them up and again when it gets quiet, you have the opportunity of scaling back. So it is good. It's a very beneficial tool. Have you found that the pressure on conveyancing has meant you haven't been able to quite service as well as you wanted to the other sides of the business, the litigation, the, the PI, the you know, rules and probate, or is that still a ticking on that same level? Uh, I'd say pretty much at the same level. What it has done, it has pulled me away from that more because obviously I'm having to do more supervision in that conveyancing unit. And obviously overseeing with my team the flow of clients within that unit. So I can honestly say I'm probably not spending as much as I was spending in my litigation team. It, you know, it has pulled me away without a doubt. And how important to the business is it that you're a fee earner rather than a manager? I'd say it's, it is important because I always keep running, you know, cases alongside the management, the operations of the business. 
I think it should go hand in hand. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I, I wouldn't feel probably right not seeing clients because it's what I enjoy to do, you know, on a day in, day out basis. Um, as a businessman myself, I know that everybody who starts a business has to have a really deep belief in what they're doing. But how long was it before you felt the business was really sustainable? You feel a turning point when that business is where it should be. And I think it was probably when we were heading into year two to three. I think the first year is always highly volatile because you've got a clean sheet. There's nothing there. You're starting from scratch, basically. And I think when you're moving into year two and year three, you start to see traction. You start to see that repeat traction of business and you start to build that brand across the town. So I would probably say within the end of year two to three, we started seeing some, you know, some good performance, some progress, definitely. Had you decided to expand the business by acquisition or by opening new offices, what was the first uh, new office you opened or what was the first business you acquired? The first thing we did, it was, I'd say, late into 2014. I used to work very closely with Barbara Taylor Conveyancing Services in Horsham. And we acquired their premises and, uh, and also their client base because Barbara retired after many years successfully running that business in Horsham. So we moved into the Carfax, we took over their premises and amalgamated it into Mancini Legal. So that was stage one. Stage two came three years ago when we acquired Mulcair Jenkins. And we've only recently, I mean, we've kept that brand as Mulcair Jenkins for the last two years and only recently now transitioned it into Mancini Legal. So that was probably, I'd say Mulcair Jenkins was the biggest uh, acquisition we did. As a young man, do you still have ambitions to, to build an empire or when will Mancini stop growing? You know, me and my team are always obviously looking for opportunity to not just, I wouldn't say just acquire, we're always looking at teaming up with other, other lawyers around town. Growth, I think that probably, you know, it will continue. We're looking at always growing the departments as a whole. I mean, the private client and litigation team, conveyancing team on its own is growing naturally. But those teams are also, you know, growing and in need of growing. So that it's something that's, that's constantly on our on our radar. In my years, I've known lots of lawyers and worked with lots of lawyers. And you seem unusual in being part lawyer and part businessman. Lawyers are lawyers, businessmen are businessmen. You seem to be both. How does that fit for you? Is, is that comfortable? And uh, do you find yourself drawn more one way or the other? Yeah. I'm more drawn to the business elements and the networking and the and the operations because I enjoy that a lot. And it's what I think makes the dynamics of the business. You know, Mancini Legal when it when it's set up and to what it is today is completely different, you know, in many, in many respects. And I think that's just down to you develop as a business owner and you develop in that network. But yeah, I think I'm more drawn to the business side of it, but I would never sort of turn down my clients because they are loyal to me and uh, you know I'm always there and you know these clients they know the way I operate my phone even now is receiving messages from clients it's always on and I will respond so we are very different as a firm to many of the other law firms that just go straight to voicemail you know so personally then you're very customer focused in terms of looking after what you see as your community yeah absolutely and you know we are focused at that Admittedly, things sometimes do go wrong and, you know, we are there to obviously rectify that and work to, to build the reassurance that we're there to help. But my key and obviously with my team, I've recently taken on a customer 
service manager or a client service manager, which is very unusual for a law firm to have that in-house. Her name's Kirsty Saunders. And, you know, the view, and I knew this young lady's background because she came from the same place where I was previously. And, you know, she is very much service-driven. And that is something that I wanted to sort of replicate within my firm. So, definitely. Along this journey you've been through, uh, there must have been the occasional mistake. Uh, is there anything that you particularly learned you could share with us? Yeah, I think probably one major regret I had, which it wasn't a flat failure, but I think opening an office in a certain village that I opened it at and then subsequently didn't continue there because there was just wasn't enough traction. I mean, you know, you test these things out. I opened, I opened an office in Cranley probably about four years ago, four or five years ago. And we, we had the lease there on a short-term lease. I think it was for 10 months and it was very quiet. Yeah, I think things like that, I mean, you know, that does involve a lot of cost because obviously you're paying out rent, you're kitting out the offices and it sort of subsequently disappears. But you learn, you know, you learn, I guess, to maybe investigate and research the areas you're going into next time. But yeah, you know, they do happen. Errors happen, part of business and you sort of pick yourself up and, and learn from that. Uh, talking about premises, I mean, we've recently moved the business to a slightly smaller but much better located office in Horsham. How much is that a reflection of the fact that so many of your senior staff work from home during the pandemic and want to keep doing that? And do you think that that will continue and will it in any way um, affect ongoing client service? To be honest, I think we were probably one of the first that our systems were so well developed for this happening because... Uh, my team manager, if he's listening, I drive him insane with my systems because I'm very system orientated and I invest in a lot of remote IT facilities that make life for us easy. So very much when this pandemic was called, we just flicked a switch. And, you know, you're quite right, Alan, we were at a, a very big 3000 square foot office in the town, not the greatest location. Our lease was coming to an end at the last year. And we sort of sat back and we looked at it and we thought, you know, this could be seen as an opportunity because at the moment, the team as a whole is functioning extremely well remote, as well as in the office, having an admin administrative team in-house. And I say 80% of the lawyers remote and it does work well. So I guess the decision was to downscale slightly the office into a much nicer location. And we rotor ourselves to have some lawyers at home, some in, and then they switch. And it, you know, it has worked. It's worked really well. And uh, I think a lot of it is very much down to the, the systems that we're using. Uh, do you find that client service can be delivered as well with people working at a distance? Yeah, I mean, I don't feel that um, the services have been at all affected. I mean, we're, you know, we're to the point now where myself as well, I haven't probably seen a client face to face in a conference since last April. And I'm still running clients through the door through, you know, Google Meet or Zoom. So I don't see any massive effect in client service with that. And we adapt very carefully. You know, we do get the more elderly clients that don't feel they have the opportunity of using online services and we are adaptable. So with those clients, we've got other facilities. So I guess we're very adaptable to the clientele that, that have uh, instructed us. Given the fact that you're embracing new technologies all the time, how do you see the path of building the business over the next three to five years? I think the path is that this way of working is going to now be very much the new norm, I think. You know, premises are always going to be needed, but 
cloud and cloud facilities are probably going to be the growth factors in the next three years, as well as Zoom, as well as online meetings, online conferencing. You know, who would have thought in two years ago that we would be where we are now, seeing our clients, you know, running. I mean, I run conferences with barristers now via Zoom. So you've got a conference room, whereas normally we would, me, my client would be on a train carrying a suitcase full of documents to the conference halls of the barristers' offices. Everything's digital. It's, you know, I think it's going to carry on like that. Does that save clients money? It does. And yeah, I mean, obviously, that we've all got to reassess the uh, the costs now because where a barrister previously as well would have been charging for travel time, for review time, costs are completely different now. So they, I think there has been a considerable fall in, in the costs. So all things considered, you've come a long way in not very many years. But given that, that uh, we've got to now and given COVID, do you still get sleepless nights or is that now a thing of the past? No, I still get them. You still get worries. You still get niggles. I think what it is, is that the area of work that, that my firm's in and that we're in every day brings a slightly different challenge. You know, you wake up one day, you walk into the office as normal and you're filled with a different surprise. So yeah, yeah, I'd say as much as I love what I do, and uh, I will emphasize is I have an incredible support team behind me, which I never had to start with. And probably without that support team, I would not be able to function. It brings its challenges. Absolutely. When we come out of this next lockdown, when things get back to a semblance of normal, do you think that you've struck a fairly good work-life balance? And how does it affect you, you know, working with ends as part of the business? And how's the family life? How's the Italian? I know you go back to Italy quite a lot. I have to say, this has been a massive struggle for me and in particular for Enza. I mean, she she obviously has a very big um, family over there and we would normally travel out there probably three to four times a year, as you know, Alan. And, uh, you know, the issues are, you know, she hasn't been able to see her parents now for in excess of about 15 months, which have been very hard on her. The level of work, because it's, you know, at the moment it's an exceptionally busy time. It has caused without doubt more hours in the office you take the office into the house and it makes it i mean sometimes i'll be honest the days just muddle into a new day there is no break so it is extremely tough i won't lie to you and yeah it has challenges at home there is at times no family life balance which is difficult and we you know we between ourselves we get that we get that it's very hard sometimes but we have to make our own adjustments where we can it's you know, it's hard. Uh, so here's the thing. One word answer. Yeah. Looking back, will you do it all over again? I would say yes. I think Enza would say no. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so I would say yes, because, it, it, you know, it's great times and I'm sure there's more great times ahead, but it is extremely tiring and stressful. It's taken 30 years off me without a doubt. And final question to close. Um, sure. If you could give that young Alex Mancini just about to open his office doors on the first day, some advice, what would it be? I would say approach what I've done slightly slower and with more thought. Entrepreneur, Alex, to the end. Thank you so much for talking to me. It's been That's really been a pleasure hearing your story. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. We are The Late Night Lawyer on air with Alex Mancini. Everyone, I hope you all enjoyed this interview this evening. It was really a pleasure to share my journey and also Enza's journey with you all. I have said I will get Enza on the show because a couple of people have said bring her on and I will be doing an interview with her soon covering off her story as to how Mancini Legal 
has become what it is today and how it's grown. And um, I'd like to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for your support, for listening this evening to this great journey. Thank you all very much. Ladies and gents, I'm going to leave you with a brilliant track now. It's Ali Sherlock, Stay. I'm going to leave you this evening. We'll be back next week where we do it all over again on the show. Thank you once again, everyone, for sticking by me on uh, this Late Night Lawyer podcast. And we'll see you next week. Have a good week. Keep safe. And uh, we're getting through this. Remember that. Take care. All along it was a fever. Said if you dare come a little closer Round and around and around and around we go Ooh, oh now tell me now, tell me now, tell me now you know Not really sure how to feel about it Yes, something in the way you You, yeah, it takes me all the way And I want you to stay Not much of a life you're living Not just something you take is given Round and around and around and around we go The way you move Makes me feel like I can't live without you Yeah, it takes me all the way And I want you to stay Ooh, the reason I hold on The broken one, but I'm the only one who needed saving. Cause when you never see the light, it's hard to know which one of us is caving. Not really sure how to feel about it. It's something in the way you move makes me feel like you can't live without you. Yeah, it takes me all. you to stay